John, I know people think me callous, but I've made myself feel every death. By day, I imagine endless faces. By night, well, I dream about swimming towards a hideous... No, never mind. It isn't significant. What's significant is that I know. I know I've struggled across the backs of murdered innocents to save humanity. But someone had to take the weight of that awful, necessary crime. I'd hope you understand, unlike Rorschach. You needn't consider Rorschach. I strongly doubt he'll reach civilization. But yes, I understand. Without condoning or condemning, humanity's affairs cannot be my concern. I'm leaving this galaxy for one less complicated. But you regain interest in human life. Yes, I have. I think perhaps I'll create some. Goodbye, Adrian. John, wait. Before you leave, I did the right thing, didn't I? It all worked out in the end. In the end? Nothing ends, Adrian. Nothing ever ends. My name is Will Nemeth. I'm with my co-host, Eric. What's up, Eric? What's up, Will? How you doing? I'm good, baby. Good. We're doing Watchmen. Finally. Who watches The Watchmen? Uh, me, two days ago. <laughs> there Finally. you go. What's up? Yeah, I read the book in March, and I watched the movie in June. Yeah, so. you read it before I did. <laughs> we took a little sabbatical. It was a sabbatical. Yeah, for yeah. Uh, mental, physical, and personal reasons. Do you feel better? Do you feel refreshed? Yeah. I actually feel worse. I feel like Dr. Manhattan. I feel like I'm about to die. Ready to vaporize people. I feel like I got your radioactive energy. You look a little like Rorschach. We need to put a a mask over your face so no one can see what you look like. Oh, that's messed up. Well. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, we're back. Um, This is episode three, I think, of season three of the graphic novels season here on Little Lens. Um, And like we said before, we're doing Watchmen. So, Watchmen, it was a graphic novel, right? It's not a comic book. Yeah. It was like a, a series of... Uh, it was first a series and then it was combined into like the one big book. Okay. So released it like episodically kind of. It was like a limited series. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. Gotcha. So the graphic or the comic books limited, limited series, whatever, was released in 86, 87, um, written by Alan Moore, illustrations by Dave Gibbons, and colored by John Higgins. So he is technically a colorist. Yeah. Which is, I never knew that was a thing. It's a cool term for a, a job. Yeah. What do you do, Will? I'm a colorist. I'm a colorist. Yeah. What does that mean? I color things. Yeah. You Type. know, color pencils, markers, <laughs> crayons. What's up? The whole the whole spectrum. Of <laughs> I was really good in elementary school, so. I, you know, I was probably in sixth grade. <laughs> I was this drafted. This is what I want to do with the rest of my life. It's just color shit. I was drafted after high school, so <laughs> number one overall. Um, so the graphic novel is regarded as one of the best graphic novels uh, of all time. It was recognized in Times Magazine's list of the 100 best novels. Since 1923, number 91 on the Comic Journal's list of the 100 best comics of the 20th century, and BBC described it as the moment comic books grew up. Oh, don't read that. That's my coolest question. Um, so the film, directed in 2009 uh, by Zack Snyder, starring Mullen Ackerman, Billy Crudup, Matthew Goody, Carla Cugino of Entourage fame. Uh, Mullen Ackerman, also of Entourage fame. Oh, yes, you're right. What's Thank up? you. What's up, E? Ent- What's up? <laughs> Tell Salam to say what up. <laughs> Uh, Jackie Earl Haley, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, and Patrick Wilson. So the budget was $130 million, and the box office was uh, $185 million. So the Rotten Tomato score is 65%, while the Metacritic score is a modest 56. Uh, it was released March 6, 2009, one day after my 18th birthday. Wow. Yeah. Happy birthday. I appreciate that. I mean, belated. You. <laughs> <laughs> You're only, uh, like, seven years late. Yeah. But appreciate that. Well, I do what I can. So... Let's get into it. Yeah. Uh, Watchmen tells the story of... It's kind of a complicated plot summary, mm-hmm. uh, which we'll get into later, I think, in part of the reason why the film maybe wasn't as financially successful as 
you maybe would have thought it was. But essentially, it tells the story of a group of superheroes in 80s, I guess, New York and internationally, mm-hmm. um, set in, like, the, the real world. So what, what would happen if superheroes actually existed? Mm-hmm. It's none of this, like, Superman, Batman, like, romanticized version of this superhero reality. It's kind of like, if these people existed in real life, like, what would be the problems? What would be, like, the struggle for power and the relationship these characters had to power and the relationship that the normal people had to these characters. So kind of tells the, the main crux of the plot is a murder mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the main, I guess he's not part of the Watchmen. There's two different generations of like superheroes here. And one of the older generations of heroes gets murdered. And one of the new generations of heroes is detecting. He's acting as like a detective to figure out mm-hmm. why this happened mm-hmm. and uh, who's it going to happen to next. And it's a very gritty, it's much more gritty than, like, previous comic book adaptations. Like you said, it's realistic. It's, it's dark. It's dark. It's super dark. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, the movie was rated R. Yep. And, uh... That's kind of unheard of for... Yeah. At least at this time. Yeah, in 2009. This is right after The Dark Knight. In fact, I, Watchmen was one of the trailers. I don't know if you remember The Dark Knight, watching it in theaters, but mm-hmm. Watchmen was one of the, the trailers really? attached to The Dark Knight. That's a great trailer for that yeah because i remember watching the trailer and being like what the fuck is this movie <laughs> i want to go see this uh sorry for cursing yeah be careful yeah uh yeah so it's like the trailer is so confusing mm-hmm. uh and you'd have no if you didn't know what the source material was you'd have no idea what this movie is about right um but th- yeah i mean that's basic plot yep so do you want to get into this quiz real quick before we get into the yeah, 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 yeah. motifs? Did you look at my question? I hope not. I don't need to look at your question to <laughs> know what the answer is. Would you like to go first or would you like me to go first? You can go ahead and go first. Yeah, because you know my question. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, what is the name... Okay, so let me give some context first. So the sim, the main symbol of Watchmen is the smiley face pin mm-hmm. with the blood splattered on it. So... What is the name of the crater on Mars that resembles a smiley face that is referenced in the graphic novel? Great question. Um, I, I even, like, saw this, and I can't remember the name of it. It starts with a G, though. It does. G- Galea. Close. Crater. I don't know. The Gaul Crater. Gaul. But Galea, I mean, you could pronounce Gaul as Galea, because it's G-A-L-L-E. There you go. So, right. <laughs> I heard one point. Okay. Uh, all right, my question is, okay. so the movie was first optioned, or sorry, the, the graphic novel was first optioned in the late 80s mm-hmm. and went through what us Hollywood insiders like to call development hell. Oh, yeah. Um, since it wasn't made until 2009 or... Are you a Hollywood insider? Well, that's what a Hollywood reporter tells me when they <laughs> send me uh, emails asking me to sign up for their magazine. Um, so... My question to you is, which of these following directors was not, at one point, attached to direct? Um, so I'm going to run down a list. Okay, I'm not looking. Michael Bay, Terry Gillum, Darren Aronofsky, David Fincher, Tim Burton, Paul Greengrass. So I know the answer to this question. Oh, you do? Because I, yeah. Uh, David Fincher. David Fincher. Yeah. Yeah. I was taking those notes as well. Yeah. It's, it's crazy, though, to yeah. think about, like, how many people were attached to direct this movie and, like, the difference in styles of all these people. Mm-hmm. Like, Terry Gillum, we were talking about this yesterday, playing movie scene it, but he did that movie Brazil. Oh, right. Like a crazy movie. And he's got a very... That's not crazy. It's very, like, wacky, weird. It's eccentric. Yeah. Eccentric is a good word. And then Michael Bay, obviously, is, like... Pearl Harbor and Transformers box like, office boom, yeah, explosions. Budget. Darren Aronofsky is a little more he's big budget kind of, but he's very like subtle, very he like, was elemental a, stories like Noah Noah's Ark or whatever they call yeah. Noah. But he wasn't at the time like he had just come off of uh, what's that uh, Requiem for a Dream and stuff like that. Oh, like, with this Jared was like, Leto. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, that might have been like late nineties or two thousands, but he was very like. Small budget at that point. Okay. And then, yeah, I mean, Paul Greengrass, you think of, like, the Bourne mm-hmm. series in United 93. And Tim Burton is, like... Yeah. He did Batman, right? But mm-hmm. this is kind of different. Yeah, it's, that would be really, really weird. I was having a hard time coming up with a director that was, like, famous enough, but, like, not too obvious to 
Yeah, that would that was a good so one. So I would pick the Fincher. Yeah, because that would have been like prime his time. Yeah, because it was like the the good picks would have been like Scorsese or yeah. like James Cameron, but you is like yeah. everyone knows what James Cameron did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so yeah. actually, yeah. So we'll get into this later. But I actually really liked that the, the Zack Snyder style for this. Um, Ziggy Snides. The Ziggy Snides for this one. I like that nickname. Wow. That's good. You can keep it. Off the top of the dome. <laughs> um, but yeah. So, let's get into it. Yeah. The first question I have for you, Will, is uh, realism, right? Mm-hmm. So, I, to me, like, knowing you as I do, mm-hmm. it seems like this is a movie... You don't really like superhero movies, like the new Marvel DC universes, but... What did you think about this movie? Because it, it is so, like, realistic. Um, and it's so, like... It's not today, but mm-hmm. it is very, like... You can imagine that this world existed. So that that was the main, like, drawing point for me. Or, like, aspect that drew me the most to the film. What, especially when it came out, I was, like, very excited to see it. Did you see uh, this in theaters? Uh, I don't know if I saw it in theaters. I, I would assume I did, but I don't know for sure. Um, yeah, when it first came out, I was like, I gotta see this. Because it's, like, a unique take on the comic book hero. Yeah. Um, and one that's not really, not really like, delved into, um, at least nowadays. And probably still back then. Like, this was, it's very, it seems very um, unique. And I don't want to say innovative, because that word is thrown around a lot. But um, it's definitely very unique. And that's what brought me to it. And that's what uh, I enjoyed the most out of it. So, yeah. Did, did you like that aspect, or...? So when I first I first watched this movie in college, we got the DVD like one night in 2009 because it came out in March and we must have got it like late mm-hmm. 2009. I fell asleep. Wait, wait, wait. 2009, we're still in high school at this time. Uh, we would have been so like freshman year of college though. Oh, but you got the the DVD. Sorry. Yes, yeah, so it was right. like late in the dorm room, and I just like passed out. What? Oh, you didn't, I, I yeah. couldn't. I got, so I watched it the other day, and I was like, I don't remember any of this movie mm-hmm. even though i you know it's it's kind of like it's really similar to the the book yeah the graphic novel and the mm-hmm. book, and the movie are like really really close it's actually crazy yeah but it's almost like shot for shot yeah but they they cut out some of the some important stuff like to me okay um well i mean obviously like the the first big thing is the the Tales of the Black Freighter. Mm-hmm, yeah. So the book is written as because it was released like episodically, essentially as a series of chapters. And between each chapter, you get either like a little. It's, it's like a, it's like yeah. There's like telegram or like a letter or articles. Or ch- yeah, chapter of a book. Yeah, and uh, I guess the Black Freighter is not sprinkled throughout those, but the Black Freighter is a part of the like the core narrative mm-hmm. like there's a a kid who sits next to like a newsstand and he keeps reading these new new like issues of the black freighter and the black freighter essentially tells the story of this guy who's like floating lost at sea mm-hmm. who makes a raft out of dead bodies yeah and like is trying to find land and eventually finds land where his village is i guess and uh goes into his village and is like so demented that he thinks the black freighter has already landed in this village and is like there it's a pirate ship and is taken over and is like murdered raped and all this terrible stuff to uh like his family and his mm-hmm. friends and so he just starts starts killing people thinking they're all pirates and then he realizes the black freighter hasn't landed and mm-hmm. it's actually like still out at sea and he's like fuck yeah uh like i've just killed everybody so he goes to the black freighter and yeah it's a very weird story well yeah so it's a metaphor uh-huh. for Adrian Vedit. Okay. Vet Vite. Vite. I think so. Because he does kind of the same thing. So he, like, murders a bunch of people because he thinks he's doing the right thing. Mm. And that happens in the movie, kind of. Right? Yeah. I mean, he kills um, the, the uh, comedian. Yeah. He doesn't necessarily kill the other comic book heroes but he tries to he kills innocent people he kills like thousands of yeah innocent yeah. people so to me like losing the black freighter out of the movie it, I, maybe it's just like the difference you were like we're running out of time mm-hmm. this movie's still fucking like two hours and 40 minutes it's crazy and you couldn't let us have like yeah. 20 more minutes it's because they took almost every single scene from the 400 page graphic novel yeah they didn't really like cut a whole lot out i mean they cut out the black freighter and then they put it 
They put it in later in like a DVD, like limited edition release. Gerard Butler. Gerard Butler, yeah, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> apparently he's in that. I'd never seen it. Yeah. Um, yeah, but so I was, I, I, I was kind of missing that. I feel like it would have made the, uh, v, I can't say this guy's name. Vite. Vite. Yeah, there you go. Vite. I, I feel like it, it didn't make his story, like, bite as hard for me as it did in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, just because he, in the movie now, he seems kind of demented. Yeah. He seems delusional. Yeah. Like, he, he's in his own world. But yeah, yeah I agree that would have been a, a good comparison to have. But I don't know how you would ex- essentially do that. We haven't seen it. We don't. We didn't see how they did it. But would you just still have the kid reading the comic book on the side? Would you do it the same way, and you just have this like alternate, alternate narrative kind of that's acted out that's not really related to the story? It's kind of. I feel like it's kind of hard to connect that with the film, where you get audiences who will probably be like, "What the hell is this like alternate narrative, and why is this in here?" It's a good it point. It might be confusing. Yeah, because... It was confusing to me when I first read it. I was like, what the hell is this? Yeah, Yeah. the graphic novel actually bounces pretty fast and often between, like, the different characters and their different perspectives, like, even within chapters. So I think if you did that in a movie, it would... would, I think you're right. It'd be, like, really, really confusing. Yeah, I don't know how you would tell that story. But if you did it right, that would be a huge... I think it would be a huge plus for the film. Yeah. I just don't like the argument that... We needed time because your movie was still like thirty, like three hundred hours long. Yeah, it's crazy. Fucking Zack Snyder, stupid. Yeah, but so it's his magnum opus. That's what it is. What is it? <laughs> you heard what I said. Isn't it Superman? Batman versus Superman? <laughs> no, dude. The Justice League. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think the realism is interesting, just because to back up, like it's essentially a existential crisis, like. People are putting their faith in superheroes or government agencies with the hope that they can rescue us, mm-hmm. while in fact they are just like laying waste yeah. in the in their wake instead. Yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of a it's interesting because it's the same sort of structure uh, for a superhero film where like the ending is like they're trying to somebody's trying to destroy the world basically. And they have to save it. But they don't save it. Yeah. But the question is, like, is he just try- is he trying to destroy the world? Because I would argue that he's not. Like, if you... If what we read at the start of the show... Mm-hmm. He's... He says he's trying to save humanity. Right. So is he... My question to you is... Is Vite really a villain? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, because... It, it's, it's all about their perspective, right? They think... The villain thinks that they are, destro- like, destroying some aspect of the current world to make the future world a better place for their, maybe not necessarily for themselves, usually for themselves, but for, quote, humanity and to be, to evolve as, like, a species. Um, where in reality, if you think about it in current times, you're thinking about, it. it's like, it's it's similar to, like, terrorists nowadays, right? They think what they're doing is for the good of, good, right, of the of their world, but really they're just killing like innocent people. So they have their idea of what the world should be, and to get there, like innocent people have to die. Yeah. So it's it's all about their perspective. So they think it's it's good and everything, but really in reality, the majority of the rest of the world is like, whoa, no, so you <laughs> we don't agree he, with you. He's a villain because the story is not from his perspective. But if, let's say the story was from his perspective, mm-hmm. would he still be a villain? Or would he, would, like, the, that his impulses make more sense? Or is it just because we're viewing him in a way that... It's like an outside perspective. Yeah. I mean, maybe. I would have to, like, see that in order to see how, like, exactly what makes him tick. But, and I know he gives his reasons at the end. You're still viewing it from an outside perspective. I still think, maybe, I don't know, maybe. But you would still get that moral dilemma being like, is this new world worth the lives of all the people that you killed? Yeah. You know? It's part of the reason I think this comic book is so interesting is that there's no, like, main character. Mm-hmm. So I would argue that he, I mean, he, he does, like, the villain, he is, like, the villain archetype, but every 
member of the Watchmen gets like their own chapters dedicated to them. It's not like we're only seeing through Warshark Warshark's right. eyes like the world. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, the uh, the writer is kind of leveling out like everybody. That's true. So we're all we're all like going forward together with all these characters. So you can kind of understand what everyone is thinking. And it's not like we're not waiting someone heavier than other people. Yeah, that's a good point. Which I like. Yeah, it's not from Superman's perspective. It's not from Bruce Wayne's perspective. Yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah. It's a very very unique comic book, and the fact that they got this made in the '80s is kind of surprising. It's a weird s- story. I think like they contracted um, Alan Moore to write a superhero. Like, superhero story with, like, these B characters that they just had lying around, that mm-hmm. DC just had lying around. And he was like, okay, I'll do it. And then he, like, saw the characters and, like, these characters are, I don't, I don't like them. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to make my own characters kind of like these characters. And he just created a whole new book. Yeah. Um, without those characters that he was supposed to do yeah. it with. It's such a, it's crazy. And you, and the fact that they have multiple generations of, comp, of superheroes is also, yeah. like, that doesn't happen. Yeah. Well, that's part of, the, like, the reality, right? Like, they're mm-hmm. not really superheroes because they die and age and mm-hmm. move on. Yeah. Whereas, like, Superman is never going to die. Right. Exactly. Except for the one time in the comic books that he did die. What? But then the next comic book, they brought him back to life. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, we actually, to- so we should actually put this in the show notes. There's a, a really, and this is going to be a little diatribe, there's a really funny, like, it's not quite a dr- drunk history, but imagine a drunk history with uh, Max Landis, um... John Landis' son, he wrote, like, American Ultra and okay. a couple other movies. Okay. But he just gets, like, really drunk and essentially, like, deconstructs the plot line of the death of Superman. And <laughs> it's, it's... We'll put a link in the show notes. Okay. But basically, he's just like... So, this destroyed comic books because they decided that Superman can die, but then he comes back to life. So that, like, now death is meaningless. Because uh, you just, like... They can just, like, regenerate. They can just do whatever yeah. they want. Interesting. Yeah. Well, put a YouTube link. Okay, we'll put a YouTube link in the show notes. Mark that down. That's, I like that. I've not seen that. I will, yeah. I'll watch that. Um, okay, do you have any... You're the one with all the themes and stuff. Let's, yeah. Let's keep it rolling. All right, rolling again. Here's a big question for you. Uh, would we be better off in this world without superheroes at all? In this world? Yeah. In their world. In not our world. Well, we don't have superheroes. Well, besides me, <laughs> we don't have superheroes <laughs> in this in this world. In I just, this that's why I wanted to clarify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Me and Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, you and Shia. Well, um, given the context of what happened, I would say that uh, the world is probably better off without them. Because Vite, whoever, who is apparently, the, apparently quote unquote, the uh, smartest man in the world, and obviously he's like the richest. Yeah. Um, he thinks that he needs to kill all these people and blame it on Dr. Manhattan um, so that the U.S. and the Soviet Union can, like, combine forces and sort of... I don't know if it... I don't really know if it's to, like, rule the world. I don't really know ex- ex- the exact details of his plan. I think it's very vague um, in the description from the film and the graphic novel, but I, I think it's probably better that superheroes are are gone for that specific example, because if... If a superhero gets an egotistical head like Veidt did mm. and thinks that he's, like, basically better than every single other person in humanity and thinks that he should be the leader, that's where you get a lot of problems. Because you think, oh, well, I think it should be this way. And you all have to, like, follow my lead. And that's where you get, like, this supreme leader watching over everyone and sort of making decisions for you know without a like without a democracy or stuff like that it's just sort of like i'm doing this and like i think it's because i think it's for the best yeah so it's no a, okay yeah it's definitely like a comment on power like the so if you're the most powerful person with the most like resources i guess because you're smart and you have money you can essentially do whatever you want mm-hmm. and that's essentially what superheroes are right they're it, like if, if we came face to face with like night owl Mm-hmm. We would probably lose. Right. Um, and he's, like, kind of the, one of the bitchiest ones. But, <laughs> <laughs> Little pussy. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's like, these people have all the power, and it's essentially unchecked. Right. And is that a good thing to have unchecked power? It's kind of a, it's kind of a commentary on, like, government, and I mm-hmm. think that's why the, nov- or the graphic novel, like, still 
has relevance to in today's like United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, I don't want to get too like political, right. but I think that you can see a lot of parallels between like Watchmen and a sort of like worst case scenario view of 2017 mm. America and the world. Yeah. Well, I mean the government in this, in these novels um, are trying to work with and sort of contain like Dr. Manhattan and like the comedian yeah. and even bite to a certain extent. And they're trying to like, make sure their interests are within the same interests of the government. Um, which is, which makes sense. I mean, from a government perspective, it's like these people have about as much power as we do. Like, yeah. We don't want them taking us over. Um, Manhattan which is, is a weapon basically to end the Vietnam war. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which is, I mean, which is makes sense and is realistic. And I think that would happen in real life if that were to actually happen. But you get that in the, in the, in like, Batman and Superman as well, like the government is working with these these heroes, and to what extent does the government have control over them? Like they have a little bit of control to a certain extent, but I wanted to bring up like the morality issue because yeah, that plays a big role and is a big difference in like say Superman, Batman, Spider Man, and like this one because you have a superhero who his moral beliefs are different than that of like. Batman, Superman, and those guys, because those, the more, their moral belief is what holds, like, holds the, the world together, sort of, because they have this unnatural power over everyone, but they're, with that unnatural power comes, like, with great power comes great responsibility. Thank you. You've seen Spider-Man. I've seen it. <laughs> Shout out to McGuire. But, um. What about Spider-Man Homecoming? Shut up, dude. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but. I think that's a big testament of, like, that's the difference between this and those characters. Because those characters have much stronger moral values than, say, Vite. He is willing to kill thousands and thousands of multi- of innocent people yeah. for whatever his beliefs are, basically. Which kind of like a cult. Like a cult people, like you know, like what, what was that? Um, I can't remember what that guy's name was. Like Jim Jones or something, who like took all of his uh, cult followers to like Mexico or something. And they all drank cyanide. Oh, like you know, yeah. like sort of because his belief was that in order to go to the next life, you need to like kill yourself, and he killed like hundreds and hundreds of people. Yeah, it's like similar, but yeah. it's why it's why this is more interesting than Superman and like Captain America because. Superman is only, like, the moral voice. Captain America is, like, the Boy Scout Mm. moral compass of the Avengers. And those people, like, it gets really... You can't go a lot of places with, like... We can't do this because think about, like... Unless you're part of a group, but, like, a standalone Captain America or a standalone Superman, they're not interesting because they only have, like, one point of view and they don't ever, like, differ from that point of view. Mm -hmm. And if you're Superman, you're, like essentially invincible right and like if you're invincible and like don't budge what do you what do you do right yeah it's kind of like from a storytelling perspective it kind of limits you because batman and superman refuse to kill right is that both of them right they both uh i know batman I for think... sure i assume superman wouldn't I don't know. Refuse to kill yeah. anybody. I, it gets so hard to like tell with yeah. the different generations of like yeah these heroes and it's it's yeah it sort of limits you in, in respect to like how you they just can... punch the fuck out of people yeah they just beat up sorry no it's again okay. <laughs> but like you get it's limiting from a storytelling perspective it's like you can sort of give him this dilemma but you know ultimately that he's never going to kill anyone um and that's why i think the dark knight was so um like beloved was because they sort of gave us extra dilemma of like him becoming the villain within his own city, which is, like, a separate moral dilemma and separate, like, response, taking on of responsibility yeah. that is appealing to, to the audience. Where um, Whereas this is sort of, like, it just dives right in. It goes, like, full head-on into the moral aspects of this Vite character and the other characters trying to stop him at all costs, but they don't really have the power to do so. Yeah. Okay, let's transition. Transition. So you just brought up the Dark Knight. Yeah. Um, so in many ways, a lot of the like 
consciously or not, a lot of the comic book movies coming out today feel like they have to respond in some way to the Nolan Batman movies. Mm. And this movie being so linked to the Dark Knight, just because the trailer was like with it and it's DC, Zack Snyder like now helps do Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned earlier that you liked the visual style, like the darkness, the grittiness mm-hmm. of this world. Like, go into, like, why that works for you. Because, like, Marvel, on one hand, is, like, this, like, cotton candy version of superheroes and power. Mm -hmm. And DC has kind of, like, totally flipped that on its head. Mm -hmm. At least for, it's, like, the first couple installments of their new extended universe. Mm -hmm. And I know this is not a part of it, um, but it seems to be, like, it's the first, like, Zack Snyder comic book movie that's... Mm -hmm uses this style that it's going to be like extrapolated into further films that he does. Yeah. No, it's an interesting point because uh, Marvel is very cotton candy. Like they, they dress everything up. They give you all the sugar you can handle. Cause it's that's colorful, what, yeah. yeah, that's what people want. It's poppy. Yeah, exactly. Um, which I don't necessarily enjoy. I think it's, I enjoyed like the first few, you know, like that's fine, but there's a point where it becomes just dull and repetitive and, it's the same story over and over again with the same themes and the same, like, techniques and aspects. Whereas this is so unique because it lives in the same time period as Marvel. It's it's almost a, I don't want to say a reaction, but more of like a response to that. It's like, you're going to tell that story in your way. I'm going to tell this story in this way. Um, and I love that because it's, it's outside the box. It's outside the norm. Um... And yeah, I just, I love that, the dark aspects, personally, um, with all types of films and television, but you don't necessarily get that with um, superheroes, because they're comic books, they're, they've always been dressed up, they've always been, like, the white, the white male saves the day again, basically, so... They punch Hitler, and... Yeah. The war's over. The war's over. And then everybody lives happily ever after until the next villain comes. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, that's... Yeah, I think it's... The the reason I like it is because it's different, and it's a response to to move, to move Marvel nowadays. Yeah. And, and even you, with The Dark Knight, yeah. Yeah. And what you mentioned before, like, in, in the introduction, like, this is when comic books grow up. Because I think that's true, right? There's a lot of sexuality and a lot of sexual relationships like there's a rape scene there's multiple sex scenes yeah there's a very conflicted like i guess the relationship post-rape is like very conflicting to the characters involved in that like Mm -hmm. entanglement like imagine yeah imagine if there was a rape in superman yeah there would that would never happen yeah there'd be uproar the rape scene in this film is like really really violent yeah i was not expecting that i wasn't either it's not, uh, let's be clear, it's not Girl with the Dragon Tattoo violent, but it's it's up there. Yeah. It's well, relatively surprising. Yeah. And, but it's it's kind of, it's an interesting, like, aftermath of that relationship, where, like, she didn't want, and it's, I mean, it's rape, and then she grows to form an affection with this character. Which is another unique psychological, like, thing I wish they had gone into. In the movie. Yeah. Yeah. They'd, like, never touch on it. Yeah. they. I mean, they do, a little but bit. they just, like... They just mention it. It's a huge... In the in the book, it's, like, a huge reveal for um, the character that, like, is impacted most by this. The daughter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, for, I guess, her mom, it's a big thing, too. And that's, yeah. like, they're, there's more of a relationship between them in the book. Yeah. And in the movie, it's just, like, oh. That could be, like, its own separate, like... Either alternative, nar- not alternative narrative, but narrative within the story. What do they call that? Like a, a sub-narrative or... Yeah, like a B-story. Like, yeah, it would, that would have been a great one. Or it could have been like its own sort of dramatic film. Yeah. Its own story. Um, but yeah, that I mean, that's another aspect that's like, that would never happen in another superhero film. It's, it's basically like a convoluted drama um, just in superhero world. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's, yeah. I don't know. I, so I, I liked it. I thought there were moments where they didn't need it. It was too, it was obviously very long and it was, I don't want to say there were dull points, but there were, there were dull points throughout it that it's like, okay, how much longer is this? Like, when are we going to speed up the action? Um, 
but the style I think was was key, especially the rep for representing what the graphic novel was trying to tell. And I don't think, honestly, I can't imagine another director doing it. Honestly, so let's yeah. So I have some thoughts about this. It's to me like I feel like this movie came out too early. Mm. I felt like the. I don't know, like, maybe technology hasn't advanced far enough in, like, 05 to 09, whenever he worked on this. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I thought, I don't know, it, it seemed like, at points, to be satirical, and I don't know if it meant to was meant to be, like, if you looked at Nixon in the movie, mm-hmm. like, he, it's not Nixon. Right. But, it, like, the nose is super exaggerated, like, yeah. everything is just so... It was a little comedic. Exaggerated, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, what, do you think it was meant to be comedic? Or was that just, like, he just decided that these were going to be what people looked like? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I, I mean, the nose was was ridiculous. Yeah, it kind of threw me out a little bit. Me I know too. that's not a big, like, criticism to have, but... It's like, like, you would expect that in, like, a Mel Brooks, like, yeah. satire of, yeah. <laughs> of Nixon. Like, yeah. It, yeah, I'm not really sure what they were going for with that. I assume it was meant to be funny, but it didn't really fit the story, kind of. Yeah, it was It was trying to be funny, but then also, like, super dark. And it was a weird mix of tones that mm-hmm. I, I don't think he fully, like, got correct Yeah, for me. Yeah, so when I watched it. I was like, this is... It seems a little confused. It was kind of all over the place, like, um, not emotionally, but, like, um, the way they were trying to tell the story, like... So the very beginning of the film is is kind of like this montage. Yeah. With it's a like five minute montage. It's crazy yeah. long. With like Bob Dylan's, I think it's like Times Are Changing. Yeah. And that's like it's it is relevant in the fact that it gives like a backstory and you're filling in all this information through these like slow stills, I think they are. Mm-hmm. Um with that readers of a comic book like relate to and know, but if you're an audience member viewing this film with no, you know, without knowing the comic book, you're like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> um, and I, that's what I first thought when I first saw the movie. It's like, what the what the hell is this? Yeah. And it's a five-minute montage. It's really long. Which is like, you know, maybe three tops, you know, but five minutes just seems a little a little long. It was like stuff like that. They had a, a few of those, like, they turned up the music for this song to play. And I thought at first it was cool, but then I was like, this might be overdone. And I'm not sure if it really fits in with what you're trying to tell. Like the real songs they use? Like, because they play like 99 Luft Balloons. Yeah. Times there are changing. I wrote down one more. Um, oh, uh, Rise of the Valkyries. Yeah. The, I was just like, if, yeah, it felt like a little telegraphing. Mm. You know, or we'll play 99 Luft Balloons. Guess what? There is like a nuclear conflict. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. So, times okay. there are changing. Look sure. at how the times are changing. Yeah. It's, do you get it? Yeah. That's the Valkyries. We're about to... About to be I actually didn't get it until you said that. Yeah. So. so, yeah. Some of that stuff seemed like a little on the nose. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't seem to fit. Like, the, they played the entire song almost. Yeah. The majority of the time. It's like, okay, we, you know... It's like a, in The Departed when Scorsese, the last shot is, like, of the rat crawling over the balcony when you can see, like, the the gold dome in the background. Yeah, it's like... like there's a rat... Will. <laughs> Wait, what? There's a rat. Do you I get smell it? a rat in my crew. Yeah. It's kind of like that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's over, overzealous. It's in it on the head a little too much. Yeah. So let's rapid fire here. Um, the big, I guess like, adaptational, is that a word? Can I use that word? Sure. I'm going to use that word. Adaptational difference, I think, is the ending. So okay, in yeah. the in the graphic novel, um, I guess, spoiler alert, if you... If you didn't read this in the 80s, and it's been out for, like, 40 years, so... Yeah. 30 years? 86, so... 30 years. 30 years, well, yeah. Yeah, um, In the graphic novel, Vedit... Vite. Vite. Oh, come on, Eric. <laughs> um, essentially, like, has this creature being built off-site in, like, a location on the planet, and transports it to New York City through, like, some kind of, like, technological means with the idea that the shockwave created by the transportation will kill like millions of people mm-hmm. and in the and, and in doing so he'll ease the tensions between the u.s and the russians and then they'll realize like okay this like alien planet is like the real villain here. it's like an octopus like thing yeah it's yeah. like a big tentacle lead 
It's weird. Tentacled creature. And it's coming out of Madison, Madison Square Garden, right? Yeah. It's like during a sporting event, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it just like wipes out like three million people. Yeah. But in the movie, it's different, mm-hmm. right? They, the, he like creates a scenario in which like Dr. Manhattan is the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And so the U.S. and the Russians go against him. Mm-hmm. And he, he like blows up New York's in Manhattan somehow I, with radioactive whatever, yeah. nuclear weapons. Um, and obviously Dr. Manhattan is radioactive and he's made through nuclear energy. But he's on Mars at this point. Radioactive. Radio- oh, shout out to Imagine Dragons. Yeah. That was the last podcast. We need to imagine... Oh. Can we redo the trailer with an Imagine Dragons? Radioactive? Oh, my God. Just do the whole movie. Play, like, their whole album. Yeah. The movie. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that difference is, is, is odd. Is an odd choice. Right? Because either... I assume they just didn't do it because they didn't want to spend money on... Like creating this alien octopus, like for the uh, through whatever you call it, the teleporting or however they did it. No, like on the screen. Oh, CGI. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like sorry. Computers. Computers. High pixels. Yeah, yeah. So I, I assume they didn't want to do it through that because they didn't even really. Did they show the explosion in the film? I can't even remember now. It's like I just remember seeing like the aftermath. Yeah. So I don't know. It seems to me like they just decided not to have any of the side story with the... Because there's a comic book writer and a bunch of other people go to the island and he's missing. And you kind of get that through like the vignettes between the chapters. Yes. And they just like didn't talk about him at all. So mm-hmm. it was easier just to not show, I, I guess, like the whole thing. Like you just save plot mm-hmm. by not having this like giant creature. But it's it changes... Like, why, like it makes Dr. Manhattan a villain rather than... Like, he's a villain, then he leaves, versus in the book, he's not a villain, and he still leaves. So it changes the blame a little bit on... Is he still not a villain? In the graphic novel, I don't think so. I mean, no one blames him. I guess people do blame him, because he has the one who can, like, save them. They think he can save them. Wasn't he the one who sent the octopus to... No, that was Vite. Oh, who are you talking about? Oh, Dr. Manhattan, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that he places the blame on Dr. Manhattan. yeah. Yeah, I don't know how that changes. I don't know. It, like, it puts the blame on Dr. Manhattan. But do we care, really? Like, do we care about Dr. Manhattan? Because he's kind of like a... He's a morally good character. I don't think he cares, right? Yeah, that's the thing. He doesn't really care about... Because he doesn't see himself as a human anymore. Yeah, but he's still sad about Sally Jupiter... Mm-hmm. Jupiter, right? Like stacking up with Night Owl, mm-hmm. um, but then he is like, "Yeah, I really like people. I'm gonna go create some." Yeah, he's like, "Okay, well, peace out, peace out." <laughs> yeah, you know what was interesting actually was, um, with Doctor Manhattan, he sees he doesn't see time. Yeah, he see he sees time the way uh, the aliens in the movie Arrival see time. Yeah, all at once. Yeah, and like at certain points and like not on a linear thing linear perspective like the humans do i thought that was really interesting because obviously we just recently saw arrival great great plug shout out arrival good job thank you yeah (laughs) um but yeah i don't know the ending doesn't really change anything for me in that respect um because it's sort of a downer ending anyways yeah you know you get the same feeling it's like all these people died and nobody did anything about it Although Vite was... knows. Well, it's... I feel like, isn't it a little more tragic in the graphic novel that everyone dies and they think the wrong person is, like, the culprit? I guess they still think the wrong person is the culprit in the movie. Cause they yeah, because they blame Manhattan it's radioactive. Vite. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a weird... It doesn't change a whole lot for me, but it's a, it's a weird choice. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how else to describe it. Um, do you think... I have a question. Do you think um, this film is going to have legs in, like, 20, 30 years? Maybe, let's say, 10, 15 years. Because it's already been out for about 15 years. Or no, 10 years, excuse me. No, 8 I, years. I don't think so. I don't really see... I don't, I don't think it'll become, it. like, a cult. No, not really. Okay. I I feel like this is a... 
this is like a prime remake candidate. Like it's to me like this came out at such a weird time for comic book movies. Like mm-hmm. it, I just feel like it was a little too early. It would have been a good yeah. response to like the current comic book culture, but they got in at like the ground floor when I, we weren't really like fully ready for an inversion of something that we hadn't created yet. The hype was still building for all these comic books. Yeah. And it was it this would have been perfect now. Like I totally agree with you. Yeah. It would have been a great response to Marvel and stuff like that, but it probably would have been more respected, and like the critical response probably would have been better as well. Yeah, I, I feel like it would looked really cool, but it didn't quite have the emotional like kick the book the book or the graphic novel had. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I don't know, it's not like Zack Snyder's thing. Like he cares more about what things look like in the images than like the people that are in the images. Mm-hmm. So. I know you said you like Zack Snyder for this. Like, I don't know who else can direct it, but... Honestly, David Fincher is not a bad choice. <laughs> does like, he do comic book movies? No, but, like, he would be a great, like... Because it's a dark... He does dark films like that. He does uh, Gone Girl and Girl with Dragon Tattoo. That would be that this wheelhouse. Yeah, that's true. You should head up. Well, I'll David produce Fincher. it. I'll produce it. There you go. So, I, I have one more thing for you. Okay. Um. So... When this movie initially came out, Richard Roper wrote a review of it, Mm -hmm. and in it, he has some very not nice words for Malin Ackerman. Oh, really? So I want to read them to you and get your response. So, quote Richard Roper, uh, and then there's Malin Ackerman as Silk Spectre. I'm sure Miss Ackerman is a nice young lady, but having seen her in 27 Dresses, The Heartbreak Kid, and here, I'm not so sure acting is the career for her. Her delivery is so flat that it would compel an acting teacher at a community college to say, have you thought about becoming a nurse? Wow. So, yeah, that it is goes on to say, it sounds as if she's reciting lines that she just memorized, and it's painful to watch. Damn. So, thoughts about just the acting in general. Um, do you agree? Do, do you, like, not agree? Is there no... There was there were no, like, seriously impressive actors in this film. I will I will admit that. Although I do think the casting of the comedian was like perfect, uh, I think the casting of Rorschach was was good. I liked Rorschach the best. He did you? Yeah. I thought he could have been a little better, but um, I thought the comedian was perfect. Veidt was fine. I didn't. I didn't really have any thoughts about Ackerman or Patrick Wilson, who was the night owl. They're so dull. They're very dull. They're very vanilla. Yeah. Um, who else did we have? Dr. Manhattan, you say him? Yeah, he was also very vanilla. Billy, Billy Crudup. Crudup. I thought Crudup's voice was good for the role. He's very, like, he was monotone. Very even. Yeah, mon- yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, nobody was, like, impressive. I don't know. It's not... That doesn't concern me, the acting. Okay. Yeah. It's not about the acting in, this, <laughs> in these kinds of films. You know what I mean? It's like... Well, Richard Roper didn't like Medine in Entourage, so... Well, clearly, what does Richard Roper know about movies? <laughs> Apparently nothing. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> that's That's really, like... Crazy for him to say, though. Like, that almost seems personal. Yeah, really? You know? Yeah, it's like, you're so bad at acting that you should be a nurse. It's like, damn. Like, he mentioned a community college? Yeah. Like, he's, he's like, downgrading her, like, with every word that he says. Yeah. If I were... There must be some hot water between the two. Maybe they had a relationship. Oh. I'm telling you. She was probably, like, trying to break into the industry, and they were like, well, you gotta, like, meet Richard Roper. And Richard Roper was like, well, you gotta come back up to my place and she was like no i don't want to i'm gonna do this the right way and he was like all right forget you and now what's she doing nothing is she not i guess she's not doing anything i'll look it up she's in a is she in a tv show i don't know i haven't seen her in anything since like i think the heartbreak kid ben stiller yeah i feel like she's she's pretty i feel like she's in a tv show she was probably a model turned actress i assume no, she's been around for a long time, though. Oh, check this out. The Ticket, 2016. With... Alan Ackerman. I don't know who all these people are. Misconduct, 2016. Look at two movies. So she's in movies. Josh Duhamel. She's, she's in a movie with Josh Duhamel, so that's not Al Pacino good. and Anthony Hopkins. I've never heard of this. What? Misconduct. 2016. I must have... I'll see you in my dreams. Yeah, these are all, like... Let's go to her TV. As we wind down Comedy, here. Bang Bang, Easy, Billions. Billions. Oh, Billions. So she's a recurring character on Billions. Okay, well, good for her. Yeah. 
24 episodes. There you go. 2006, she was in episode, two episodes of Entourage. She was, oh, she was in Trophy Wife. I remember this. I didn't watch that. Don't tell me about us. Yeah. We'll delete that later. Yeah, for sure. Um, so any last thoughts, Will? I wish there were more comic, comic book movies like this, um, or even graphic novels like this. I wish that um, DC and Marvel would be more um, willing to do stuff like this. Like, there are certainly graphic novels out there. They're a little more edgy, a little more dark, um, that I wish they would pursue. But they, you know, they're tied to these big, you know, super popular Superman, Batman, Spider-Man. They need to, like, yeah, Justice League. They need to, like, develop those stories. And I get it. That's, like, where you're going to make the most money. But I wish they would have some, like, independent funding, maybe, for, like, a, like with stuff like that. Yeah. Like, this is obviously a supremely popular Watchmen graphic novel. Do you think that in 2017, this is a TV show? Watchmen? Yeah. I mean, probably. Like a, like a limited one series, or one season of, like, a TV show. Like I could see that. Eight episodes, 80 hours. Yeah, I think that would actually be better. Because you have so many characters, you can yeah. actually delve into their personalities and their backstories and... Stuff like that. Honestly, yeah, I would say that it would actually be probably a great if you did it right. Obviously, it would yeah. be a great TV show. Yeah, that was my thought watching this. I was like, "There's the it's like two hours and forty minutes, and there's more to add. That like, let's let's break it out a little bit more. Let's give mm-hmm. it. Let's just make it a TV show. Yeah, but I know you don't do that in two thousand and nine. Yeah, but I think you do that today. So there's actually on the Wikipedia article for the film, there's a report from twenty fifteen. HBO was in talks with Snyder to make a TV series based on the comics. Um, there you go. But apparently the talks about TV series are on hold as a result of Snyder's involvement with the DC universe. So well, How hard is it to talk? It's hey, hard. Zach, I know you're directing something today. How about when you're done directing for the day, we sit down and talk? He's busy. He's got to go home, dude. Oh. He's got to eat dinner. Fuck. Well, <laughs> okay. Um, so where can, uh, where can we find this? Well, what, what else are we up to at Little Ends? Nothing. No, no, we're not doing anything. <laughs> so we have a Twitter at uh, at Little Lens. We have Instagram uh, at Little Lens. We are WordPress LittleLens.wordpress.com. Um, SoundCloud, iTunes. Shout out iTunes. Yeah. Um, I think that's it, right? Coming back with uh, the next final episode is going to be uh, V for Vendetta. Also, uh, Alan Moore, right? Yeah. Shout out Alan Moore. Shout out Alan Moore. I think uh, Dave Gibbons is on it too. Or David no, Lloyd. No, it's a David Lloyd. Our realtor. Our, uh, yeah. Shout out David Shout Lloyd. Shout out David Lloyd. <laughs> Best realtor in, in Arlington. Shout out, yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so that's it. We'll, uh, shout out Shia LaBeouf. Shout out Shia LaBeouf. We, we can't forget. Yeah. You know, if, if you're ever free, Shia, let us know. Yeah, well. We're free for you. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's it for this week, or this this month. Um, before that, it will come out soon, and we'll do another, uh, our new recurring podcast on Sunday about the news will come out hopefully soon but thanks again we'll uh see you tomorrow